Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald. I have a very special guest. We have Daniel Vega joining me today. Dan, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey Michael, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Dan runs an agency that provides full marketing services for local businesses. He also has a course where he shows others how to grow and scale their own agencies as well. And also how to run Facebook ads for local businesses. So he focuses on that as well, which is pretty cool. He runs one of the fastest growing entrepreneur groups on Facebook that's reached over 51,000 members in just one year as well, which is pretty fast growth to be fair. I mean, most groups don't really get to that number in the first place. And he's got a website, which is danielvega.com, where you can find out all the good stuff. So Dan, I thought we'd start with your background. So could you share with us where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Yeah, definitely. So I was born in New York, uh, you know, in the, in the US and uh, a small city named, it was called Rochester, which is way up kind of by the Great Lakes area up there uh, near Buffalo, if, if any of you know who, where that is. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't like those, uh, those success stories that, you know, that other people have talked about where they, they grew up poor and things like that. You know, I, I grew up a pretty decent lifestyle, you know, my, both of my parents worked. And I, I had siblings as well that were much older than I was. So I, I kind of grew up almost like a single, like a single child uh, yeah. because my next, next sibling to my age, um, she's about, I think about 10 or 12 years older than me. I really never calculated it, <laughs> but, but yeah, but she's, she's older than, uh, than I am. And then I have other brothers and sisters who are older as well. So, uh, and I never really grew up with them like in the household. Um, but yeah, but that's, that's, that's where I grew up. And then when I was about seven and a half, I moved out of New York and we moved to Florida and it was just my parents and I that moved. So I was three, we went down to Florida and that's where I grew up and I lived almost uh, for the next 18 years um, after we had settled there. Um, and then from there, you know, that's where I grew up. Um, I had too many jobs. I had probably about 22 different jobs between the ages of like 16 or 22. Um, so I was always bouncing from like one job to another. You know, I'm the type of person that like, if I, I can't just settle on one thing because I'll get bored on it. I always have to find something new, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and same thing happened with college. You know, I went, I attended four different colleges in Florida and I dropped out of all of them. I never completed any one of those. Um, I did complete my law enforcement certificate, uh, which only lasted about a year, uh, that schooling. So that wasn't too bad, but like traditional colleges for like degrees or anything, you know, I went to four of them, dropped out of them, didn't complete any of them. Um, actually I did complete one semester. I'll take that back. And, um, yeah. So by the time I graduated my, my law enforcement certificate, I had, you know, we had the opportunity to move to California. So from Florida, we were there for about 18 years. And then we had an opportunity to move over to California. Uh, my brother-in-law asked us to move out there. And uh, right before that, um, I had, you know, I, I, I didn't want to continue working like a regular job like most people do, you know. I wanted to do something, something different, something for myself where, you know, I could at least do my own hours. I could work whenever I wanted to. I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to move to California and then either like, you know, cause here in the United States, if you have a certificate for law enforcement, uh, from one state, if you move to another state, you have to take the training all over again, you know, 
Oh, so I was like, no. I don't want to go through this like a whole entire year just because now we're moving. I can't become a cop in Florida. You know, I was like, I don't want to do the same training again in California and become a cop out there. I'm like, so let me start at least finding something to work from home so I could take that job with me and not have to like find a new job just because of relocation, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. What else happened? Yeah. So, so I did that. Um, so that's when I started finding like simple work at home jobs. You know, I would, uh, I would look online and I would find jobs that would um, allow me to, to take like inbound call center, like an inbound call center representative. Um, I did some, some uh, remote technical uh, support um, at home as well. And I did a couple of live, uh, like live help and uh, live chat type ticket support systems for, for like, you know, third party or online companies like servers and things like that. Um, so I did that for a while. And right before we moved to California, I started, I started seeing different people online uh, make money doing websites. You know, so back in high school, I forgot, maybe I think, think during my sophomore year, my 10th grade year, um, I had a class where I had to build websites. You know, this was like for about half a semester and, and, I, and I enjoyed it a lot, you know. So looking at those opportunities from people kind of reminded me back of my high school days when, when I was building websites in class and it was something I enjoyed. I was like, what if I could just do this like full time, you know, um, you know, it's besides working from home from, from these different jobs, what if I could always, or what if I could also build websites and I can make money doing that because I've seen other people doing so, um, you know, so I started applying for uh, a couple different uh, jobs that I would see on Craigslist. Um, these are, you know, most of the jobs that I applied were other small design agencies that needed help um, as a developer, you know, because a lot of these, all these small agencies, they really don't have uh, the cash to hire someone on staff full time. So they outsource a lot of their jobs, right? And that's exactly what I, what I wanted. Um, you know, I never had sales experience at all. I, I had a hard time trying to find like my own B2B clients. Um, so I'm like, you know, if I, if I could just partner with an agency that had the clients that could give them to me, that would make my job a lot easier because I wouldn't have to do any selling, you know? I would speak their language or at least they, they would understand the language that I spoke, which is technical. And, uh, and they would just supply me the jobs, you know, the, the people that, of their clients. So I did that. I landed two clients that way, uh, before we ended up moving to California. And that's that right there is pretty much where my agency started. Right. So did your agency start it off the back of those clients then? So you got your clients from an agency and then, you then decided to start your own after that. What was the, uh, the tipping point for that? Right. So, yeah. So, so those two clients that I, that I got right before we moved to California, um, that was kind of like the, the creation of the start of, of my agency uh, doing web design development. So, you know, right. yeah. for a little bit of time, for a couple months until I, I started getting more and more clients, you know, I was kind of freelancing by myself. But then there was a time where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm working like 60, 80 hours. You know, I'm where do you live in California? We're working 60, 80 hours a week. I'm like, you know, I can't just do this myself. Plus, there was a couple of projects that, you know, required, you know, more heavy like database development, things like that, which, which I'm not that great at. Um, so I'm like, you know, I, I need to start finding like a team of people that I can outsource to on a regular basis. And that's really like where that true agency model started, uh, you know, started becoming. Uh, so instead of just freelancing by myself, 
you know, I started getting a team together that would help me complete these projects. And that's when I was starting to, you know, starting to scale. Um, so living in California, I, I had landed a, a project uh, that paid me about $5,000 plus the other ones that I had already, you know, had acquired in Florida. Um, so I mean, life, life was great, right? Making five grand plus, you know, a couple other gigs on the side. And I was probably doing maybe six or 7,000 a month. You know, things were pretty well. Um, and then right before this was back in, let me think, 2018. So 2018, um, we had, we had, we had, we had moved to California in 2017. This was October, 2017. And then a year later in 2018, uh, my brother-in-law, he had the one that asked us to move out there. He was shipped over to Afghanistan for the war. Um, cause he was, a, he was a SWAT officer with uh, San Diego police and he rejoined the military again. He got shipped off and he got, he got killed in action two weeks into his deployment. Um, so that totally threw everything off for us. Um, because we were living at his house, you know, so oh, the lawyers, okay. the lawyers had a, they came in, they intervened, they took a lot of, you know, they took away the houses that he had and, and everything like that. Um, and, you know, they, they put it into a trust, uh, which he had set up. So, you know, the last thing on our mind was like, you know, if he goes to war, if he doesn't come back for whatever reason, like, you know, we, we didn't have a plan B, you know, honestly, we didn't even have a plan A. <laughs> we were just kind of, we were kind of winging it. Um, yeah. you know, we were like, life is good. We're here at his house. You know, we're paying minimal rent, you know, helping with food, making, you know, six, $7,000 a month, not bad. But then once that happened, we're like, okay, you know, we, we have a couple months to, to like figure out what we're going to do because like everything got taken away. And at that time, uh, my wife was pregnant with our son who was born so that he was, he was, uh, killed in action in October of 2018. And then my son, our son was born in December. So during that time, like that was like her last trimester of being pregnant and that really put a lot of stress on her. So what happened to me, and this is the first time I, you know, I had during my agency, I had dropped my clients or my clients had dropped from my agency three different times. So this time in California was the first time that they all left me. Um, you know, so I lost all my clients and that was because I had to take care of like all the, the legal stuff and you know, pretty much had to take care of everything else because my wife was, she just couldn't deal with it, you know, because of that reason. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I lost my clients. I lost that $5,000 client, never got them back. Uh, I, I was, you know, pretty upset about that. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the other two clients, I had gained them back, but it was a couple months afterwards. Um, so kind of fast forward, you know, our son was born. Now we're in 2019, you know, the house pretty much we have like 30 days left to move out of the house. So we ended up doing, you know, was we're like, Hey, we need to move. We need to try to move back to Florida if we can, or at the very least, like if we don't have enough money, we need to move back to Texas or we need to move to Texas. Uh, cause my sister-in-law, my, my wife's sister lives in Texas, uh, in Brownsville to be exact. And, uh, and we were like, we, you know, we need to figure something out quickly before we're left homeless, you know? Um, so yeah. at this time, you know, house is taken away. We, we got a couple family members to fly out to where we were, help us pack up, uh, in a truck. And literally at this time, like we maybe only had like a thousand dollars left to our name from, from everything that we had saved up, you know, from those clients that I had. Um, and right before we moved, I was able to get those two clients that I originally had back. 
Uh, so I was thankful. So while we moved to Texas, we, you know, we ended up staying at my sister's house for a little while. I mean, at my sister-in-law's house for a little bit of time um, for about a month or so. And, you know, while, while, while I was there, then I started applying for um, pretty much the same, the same type of, uh, of, of job being kind of like a third-party developer for, for small agencies. So I would look on Craigslist. I would look on just all sorts of uh, sites that I could in order to try to get clients quickly, you know? So what, what did you actually do to get those clients then? Because you, you, you were left in a reasonably, you know, not so comfortable position. So what, were the, what was the first thing that came to your head and then how did you get the ball rolling? Yeah, I mean, so, so while being back in Florida, you know, I mean, this was about maybe 10, 11 years ago. Um, everything was done through email. You know, I was, I was a big introvert and, you know, I didn't have really like the courage or the guts to call someone or, you know, walk into their office and just start talking to them and kind of building a relationship. So like the easiest method for me to start a communication with someone was through email, you know? So that's kind of where my, those, my, the cold email days of, of my agency really started. This was like over a decade ago. Um, so I, I did the exact same method I did in Florida initially was I, I went to Craigslist and I started looking for people who needed web design and developers. So I didn't only look, you know, I didn't only look in my city um, where I lived. I looked nationwide on Craigslist. So I just, I did that and I sent out tons of emails and, you know, got a, I got on a bunch of calls uh, throughout that month, month and a half time period that we were living with my sister-in-law in, in Texas, you know, before we ended up getting our own place. Um, I just, I, I just hustled. I mean, that's, that's like the best word I could describe is I just hustled my butt off every day to try and build up my agency to where it was, you know, when this was like at that five, six K mark. So a lot of people do tend to have, I guess, preconceived notions about what hustling is. You know, we, we often see a lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs use the term hustle and they might not actually, might not be doing it as much as others, so to speak. So what would you, what would you define hustle as? So you, you run the, the Entrepreneurs Hustle Group as well. So I imagine you probably got some sort of explanation for, for what hustle means. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, during the last 10 years, like, you know, every time that we were always in a, in a rut, um, my wife always, you know, sorry, let me kind of go back. So every time we've always been in a rut, I always figured out a way to get out of it, you know? So a lot of people, they struggle, which I think is a good thing because like, you know, think of your entrepreneurship as like a valley, right? Or as like a roller coaster that's always going up and down during those down times, Like when you're at the very, very bottom is when you really figure out a way to get out of it on either on your own or with the help of someone else. Um, in my case, it's, it was always on my own, you know? So, so, it, you know, during, during the, during that time in California and then like during the other two times that I lost my clients and things like that, like, you know, that was like the down part of, of my entrepreneurship journey. So I always figured out a way to get out of it. So again, during the last 10 years, my wife, every time that I was able to figure it out, you know, she would always tell me like, you know, you hustled your way out of it, you know, um, like you're, you're a hustler. That's what you do. You, you're, you're able to figure out how to wait a way to get out of the situation and make, you know, you, our lives easier. Um, so to me, 
hustle is just, you know, figuring out a way to get out of this current situation that you're at in order to improve like your, your situation or your lifestyle, you know, and that's, that's whatever, whatever means necessary that you're going to be doing to get out of that situation. Like you got to do that. Right. So that's, to me, that's, that's hustle. It's just being able to, to do that. So it's almost like um, you need that downward part to get you either motivated or inspired in order to, to do the things that I guess you wouldn't do otherwise, because it's almost like you would either find a way or make a way to, to get your way back. I mean, would you say the, the negativity was the, the motivation to do things? I mean, I'm not just sort of talking about yourself, Dan, but more like you, you, you kind of observations of what you're seeing from, from other entrepreneurs as well. Do you find people are more motivated by the negativity than like when things are going really well? Well, I mean, I think when you're in that position, you're not motivated by anything. Like, you know, the only thing that's going to motivate you is by, you know, not living on the streets, you know, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think, you know, just, just looking back at the, like, you know, cause I've been an entrepreneur now for 13 years so just looking back at the last 13 years of, of my life and, and seeing from what I started to where I am now and like all those valleys and, and dips and moments of my entrepreneurship journey and what allowed me to get out of those runs, um, you know, I, I, do, I, I strongly believe that everyone should go through those moments in time because that's what's going to allow them to figure it out pretty much like on their own. You know, that's going to give them like the courage and motivation. Um, their, their stories are going to come out of those moments, you know, because like if I didn't have those moments, I wouldn't have just told you like the last 15 minutes of, 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 of our podcast of the story of, of me kind of starting my, my journey. Right. So because like if I believe if you have everything handed over to you, um, then like what's your story behind that? You know, like there, there, there will be none, you know, and you really wouldn't be able to figure out a way to, to to go to the next level, you know, because going from like zero to even zero to $2,000 for some people can be a struggle, you know, uh, especially like if they have a job and they want to get out of it and they're like, you know, I'm starting from zero, but I have no, no direction to go. I don't know what to do. Going to zero to 2000 can be super hard, right? Super difficult. Um, so there's, there's different milestones that you can hit, but by going through, through the downtimes and the struggles, and figuring out a way to get out of it, you'll figure out a way to get to your goals and whatever that goals, whatever that goal would be, whether it's 2000 a month, 10,000, 50, hundred thousand a month, it doesn't matter. You're going to figure out a way to get there and you're going to do everything that in your, in your power to get to that point. If that's what you really want to do. Do you think there's, there's something to be said for, you know, a lot of people that, particularly if things are going well, so if things are going really well, like you start to get comfortable and perhaps even a little bit too comfortable, perhaps you might start to, I wouldn't want to say complacent because that's probably got more of a negative theme around it, but just having this element of being comfortable might actually, because you mentioned like um, £100,000 a month, which to a lot of people is more than what a lot of people would earn in a year. And there are agencies out there that are turning over a lot more than that even. And it seems like it takes a certain, a certain amount of grit, I guess, or motivation at every different level, at every different milestone that you hit to be able to feel like it's worth hitting the next one. Because you might get to a point where you can afford everything that 
you have, your lifestyle is afforded for, your family or your leisure time is, is afforded for, what's the, what's the drive that keeps agencies or consultants or service providers or products or businesses or whatever the case is, what is it that keeps people pushing past those limits? Yeah. And, and, and the word complacent, you know, I don't think of it as a, as a negative phrase or word. Um, during our, during my law enforcement training, we use complacent a lot, you know, as, as, as they told us while we were going through training, they were like, you know, whatever you do, don't, don't become complacent. Don't become a complacent police officer, you know, because when you become complacent, that's when the bad things are going to be happening to you. You know, you're not, you're all your surroundings will just come down and, and you're not going to understand what's going around you. You're, you're going to have kind of tunnel vision, you know? Um, so I, I take like the exact same, it's weird. Cause like, you know, during that time, I never thought, you know, 10 years later, I'd be using a lot of the strategies that I learned um, during my training as a, as a, as a police officer to like entrepreneurship, you know, but a lot <laughs> yeah. of it is, is totally relatable. Um, but yeah, but you know, I agree, you know, don't become a complacent. You, you, there sh- you should always have a goal, whether that goal is, you know, financial freedom, whether that goal is not to become, um, you know, not to have the lifestyle that you had like last year, you know, like, you know, in order to improve yourself, whatever the goals are that you have, um, you know, you need to have those goals in mind so you can continue pushing forward to the next level because yeah, as an agency model, you know, doing lead generation for, for businesses, which is what my agency does, you know, it can, it can become very easy to hit, you know, those 10, $20,000 months. And once you become comfortable or, or, you know, you become complacent, you become complacent because you become comfortable. And if you don't have goals in mind, then, you know, you're going to stop prospecting, you know, you're going to become lazy. You're not going to deliver the results to your clients anymore. Then you're going to lose your clients. Then you don't have pipelines set up. You know, you don't have sales coming in. Then you lose all your clients. And then again, you start back from zero, you know? So it's like, you know, you come full circle back to where you were, which is what you hustled your, your way out of becoming, you know? So once you, you've set those goals, then is it, is it just the goals that can be enough for you to, to push past that, that level of comfortable? I mean, it's, it's almost like do you want a house that you can afford or do you want a house that you need to work hard to be able to afford, whatever that house is. So is it just a case of like having a goal that you want to achieve that's simply above what you have at the moment or that, that you've achieved at the moment? Is that normally enough i mean there's that fear of this fear of like almost chasing the money at that at that point where all your goal really is is to make more money i mean is it is it just that or do people put sort of their own meaning behind it i mean what's the conversation when you work with people that that get to that point where they need the next the actual next goal but it's it's almost something that they're striving towards they might not need to strive towards it but they might want to strive towards it and it's I mean, for me at least, it's about having that level of connection with something that's pushing beyond just as far as you need to go. Does that make sense? Right. No, that makes sense. And, you know, and I think there's different levels of it when you really look at it. Like when I look at it, you know, just to be transparent, I mean, like, I think when most entrepreneurs, they start, they do it for, they do it for the money in a way, 
because they want to get out of the current situation that, that they're at. You know, they're like, like, for example, like if you have a job and you're making $2,000 a month in your head, you're like, you know, if, if I could only work from home and have my own business and, and make 5,000 a month, like I'll be at a much better place than where I am now making 2000. So, so in a, in a small way, you know, at the, at least at the very beginning, I think people do it for the money, for the finances, but that's always tied into like, you know, getting out of whatever struggle they have. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't believe it's only for the money, but it's to get out of current situations that, that they're at. But, you know, as you grow, as you've been in business for a while and you start hitting other goals, you know, I, it, it's a lot more than that. It's, you know, mindset's a huge thing, you know, because I believe at different, different intervals of, of what you're making a month, like your mindset totally changes, you know? Um, I also think that, you know, like for example, from, from my situation, why, why I pushed so hard um, was because, you know, I lost clients, uh, you know, my wife. So like the first time, kind of go back to tell that story. There were three different times that I lost clients. First time was when my brother-in-law passed away. I had to take care of all that, you know, of all that situation. Second time was uh, in 2013 in December, my wife, she had a, a pancreatic attack. So she was hospitalized for a month and a half. Uh, two different occasions. Um, and that time again, you know, she was put in the hospital and she had 20% chance to live. I had to take care of, you know, being her being there. I had to attend to her, make sure everything was, was, was okay with the doctors in the hospital. I had to take care of, you know, our kids. We have three kids right now. So there was like a lot, a lot of stress on me as well. And, and I was pulled in multiple directions. So I couldn't attend the clients that I had. So I'm like, you know, again, that's the second time I lost all my clients. <clears throat> and then the third time I lost all my clients was um, in 2015 when, you know, this was more of a decision that I made um, was when I changed the direction of my agency. You know, so instead of just doing design and development, I changed it in a direction of, of my agency really focusing on lead generation with Facebook advertising. So I was like, you know, the clients that I had, I was like, I, I just don't do this anymore. Um, and, you know, I was like, I'll find someone who can help you. But then I'm like, you know, our, pretty much our business relationship, you know, unless you want to do lead generation, we'll be over at this point. So that was three different times that I lost my clients. So what, what drives me um, in, in my business, I have multiple streams of income, not just my agency. Um, the agency really to have a passive income lifestyle, you know, um, in case something were to happen to my wife or, or me or you know, we had, to, I had to not be involved in my agency for like, you know, a couple of weeks at a time. I still had money rolling in. Right. So that's, that's my agency Then I have course sales as well, which is, which is pretty much passive. Um, and then I have my coaching and my coaching. I focus on that more now in order to help other people get out of the situations that they're in, in order to have that lifestyle change as well with their agency. So, so there's different, there's different milestones just depends on where you are as an entrepreneur and, you know, different streams of income that you have because each stream of income has its own, you know, it has its own goals and, and the reasons why, um, will be different for each, for each type of business, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's almost like the the goal becomes your why then to a certain extent. If the goal's um, important enough, if the goal's meaningful enough, and I guess if it, if it lights you up a little bit, you know, you get you get emotional about the goal, then it's more likely to to spur you on and to keep doing those things. When you, I guess, when things do get difficult, that's that's almost a thing you always fall back on. I guess. Right. Yeah. When thing when things do become difficult, like. When I, in 2015, three years ago, when I dropped all my clients on purpose, I had no Facebook ad clients, you know? Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, I need to figure it out. You know, I was like, I have maybe two months saved up um, where I could, you know, kind of figure out, figure out the direction that I want to go. But, you know, I, I believe going through all the struggles for the past, you know, eight or seven or eight years with my agency before that time really helped me figure out a direction to go quickly and just be able to, to take that on head on straight. Um, and then be able to grow my agency from zero to, you know, to whatever I, I, I wanted it to be in order to like have that passive, uh, that passive income coming in in case anything were to happen again. So my, my main purpose was, you know, I, my, the main goal at that time was not to have, um, an agency that developed on that, that not to have an agency that depended on income from my clients that always paid late, you know, because as a web design agency, when you send an invoice, most of the time they never, you know, at least in my, in my experience, and this was, you know, before now, because now it's, it's, it's totally different. They pay out right on time, but before, you know, they always took maybe a month, two, three months to pay my invoices. So it was always, it was almost like living, you know, uh, like working uh, a nine to five job where you're living paycheck to paycheck, but I was living project to project. So I was like, I I don't want to deal with that anymore. I want to have, you know, an agency where my clients pay me and then I do the job for the, for the remaining of the time period that they paid me for. So what sort of, transitioning a little bit into the agency model then so explain to us what the agency model is and I guess how it compares to the work that you were doing before the agency and then maybe share with us some some examples perhaps of the different industries that an agency model might work in. Right. So, I mean, there, there's lots of different agency models. When I started, it was, uh, I had an agency that focus on web design and development, you know? Um, I did a lot of other things other than just that. You know, you could have called me the jack of all trades back then because I did almost everything. I did SEO, I did content marketing, I did a little bit of paid advertising as well. Um, you know, I did graphic design. Well, I didn't actually do it. I outsourced the graphic design stuff. But, but my agency back then, you know, pretty much did all sorts of marketing um, things for clients, you know, marketing services for clients. So, I mean, when, and, and to be an agency is like providing, you know, services to a business that they need. And that's probably going to be focused more on like the, the marketing side, development, design, you know, just ways for them to be able to grow their business and, be, and to get clients. Um, if you're working by yourself, you're a freelancer, you know, you, you may think you have an agency, but you're really just freelancing, you know. Um, once you start creating a team and you start, you, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's hiring, you know, in person locally to you, then that's really where you try, where you start becoming a true agency, where you start, um, 
focusing on, on running the business and growing the business instead of just doing like the tasks that, that you're given to by your clients. Um, but nowadays, you know, if you're on Facebook, if you're in different Facebook groups, you know, like in mine, then an agency, when, when, we, when we speak of the word agency, most of the time now, it's going to be focusing on uh, generating leads for businesses. Um, you know, whether that's using Facebook advertising, whether that's using YouTube ads, whether that's using Instagram or Google AdWords, you know, there's all sorts of different ways that you can generate leads for your clients. And it's up to you, you know, as the owner of the agency to figure out the best channel to deliver those leads to your clients. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still the same thing, what, d d depending on whatever channel you're going to be using, right? You're still delivering leads to your clients in order for those leads to become customers and for your client's business to grow and scale. So how would it work for perhaps a more, a more hands-on um, business? So let, let's say someone wanted to do something that they used to do themselves, but then they want maybe to, as, as you say, branch out to not just work in the business, but also work more on the business instead. How, how would they go about it? I mean, is, is it possible to, to use some form of outsourcing model for something like that? Or would you say it was harder? I mean, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, back when I started, I mean, back when I started my agency, I always wanted to, to do everything that I could on my own. You know, I was, I was very into not letting go of the control of making sure like the quality of the work was there. You know, I, I didn't want to rely on someone else uh, messing up pretty much, you know, uh, there was, there was some things like the heavy database development and, and a lot of like the backend coding stuff that I did outsource because, you know, I just didn't have the time, but I was always wary of outsourcing too much because I, I again, I didn't want to like go, go control of, uh, of, of my business. I felt like if I did that, then I really wasn't running my business the way I wanted to, because other people were the one doing the work, you know, fast forward 13 years later, you know, it's totally the opposite. I believe that it to scale, you really do have a have you have to have a solid team of people that you trust that can do the work for you. So you can focus on, you know, a couple different points in your business in order for it to grow and scale, depending on, you know, which direction you want to go, whether that's sales, um, whether that's just getting in front of more people with events or, you know, speaking, there's so many different directions that you can go, um, for your agency. But I, I do believe that you, you do need to outsource and you can either outsource overseas. Uh, you can hire in house locally to you. You can find referral partners online, uh, of people who just focus on the deliverabilities you know, whether that's Facebook ads, whether that's Google AdWords, um, you know, whether that's just building websites, it depends on, on what you're selling, but you can totally outsource pretty much every single aspect of your agency from prospecting to research, to, to sales, to the onboarding, to the results. Um, you know, you can pretty much outsource everything. Right. Got you. So it's almost like you've got staff on board then. So as someone that, that was more hands-on with the work that they used to do, would you say that outsourcing was probably the, the only option for those people? Um, I mean, it's not the only option because, you know, I, I, I could have, if I never outsourced anything, um, I could have still had a, you know, a somewhat successful agency. Um, I just think it's, it's a lot harder 
especially like, you know, like right now with everything that I have going on right now, if I were to do everything, like I would get nothing done, you know? So starting off, yeah, you could definitely, you could do everything yourself. Like, especially when you're doing Facebook ads lead generation for businesses. I mean, you could do the prospecting, you could do the sales, you can onboard, you can run the ads, you can deliver the results and all that. You could do everything yourself, but there's going to be a certain point where you're hitting a bottleneck and that's time. You know, time is going to be your bottleneck. So in order to get more time, you got to let go of some of, the, of some of that control that you're doing. What, what conversations do you have with the people that you would want to outsource to? I mean, there's, there's a whole host of different interview questions that a lot of people use, but have you got any that perhaps we might not have thought of? So maybe like a handful or, or maybe less that give you the information that you need to, to help you maybe trust them with that element of the agency or the business or just to make sure maybe even you might be able to train them if they give a certain answer or leave them to it if they give you a different answer what would your go-to questions be well it depends on who you want to outsource to so for example if you want to outsource to um you know let's say you're searching through different Facebook groups and you want to outsource, you know, having someone run your ads for you, um, then you want to make sure that whoever you talk to has a reputation of having success, you know, in that space, in that space would be running Facebook ads, maybe for like chiropractors, for example, right? So you want to make sure that you find someone that can deliver the results that your client expects from you. Um, so, if I'm finding someone on Facebook to, to run the ads for like a specific niche or anything like that, then I want to make sure that they have the results. They have the case studies, you know, I followed them. They talk about exactly what they're doing, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, if I see them kind of jumping from niche to niche or, you know, they're doing web design, they're doing SEO, and then they're trying to sell me on Facebook ads for chiropractors, then I kind of be a little wary as far as, you know, can they really deliver on what they, on what my client expects of me? Um, so that, so that's a little bit different if I'm looking for like a resource partner like that. Most of all my outsourcing comes from overseas in the Philippines. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different, actually it's a lot different from a, a hiring perspective. Um, I want to hire fast and I want to fire fast as well. If, if people are not delivering on, their expectations on what I expect from them, you know? Um, so I, I do have like a system where I have them complete certain tasks, a specific task. And if they don't complete that a hundred percent, then I don't push them further into the interview, you know? So it's just a way to weed out people really, really quickly. Um, most things can be trained. You know, most things are an acquired skill. Um, you know, if it's like Facebook advertising, you know, if I, I don't outsource that by the way, but if I did, what I want to do is make sure that someone again has knowledge of Facebook advertising. They have some case studies, you know, they can show me a video of them going through different accounts, showing me what they've done. If I see that, then I know that if there's any further training that they need that I can supply them, especially since, you know, I, that's what I do. I, I teach other people Facebook advertising. Um, you know, but if it's, if it's like SEO, if I need, uh, you know, someone to do SEO for clients of mine, then, you know, I want to make sure that they have proven case studies and they've ranked certain keywords and all this type of stuff. 
So there's, depending on the position that I'm looking for, there's different requirements and different questions that I ask during that process. But, but most of the time it's always going to be, you got to complete, you know, this task, this might be, this task might have, you know, maybe 20 or 30 subtasks in there that I've detailed out. And if you complete this task and everyone can complete, you know, this type of task that I give them, um, because it's generic for everyone, you know, the whole goal is to make sure that they complete everything a hundred percent perfectly. And then if they did, then I kind of take them into the, to the interview a little bit further where I start diving deep into, uh, maybe some of the case studies and, and ask them more, uh, specific questions depending on what their tasks, uh, will be for, for the role. Right. So it's almost like the more, um, responsibility or the more intense, I guess, the position that you're wanting someone for, I guess, to be a lot more that'd be expected or a lot more, I guess, that the person, I guess the person going in for the job would probably have an element of, okay, he wants me to do this, this, and this. It's a big job. Therefore, I probably want to make sure I can prove that I can do it. You seem to mention case studies quite a lot. Is it important for the positions that they've done the position before? So then they've got experience and an example of where they've actually delivered for somebody else yeah i mean especially especially if it's a position where the client's results is 100 percent dependent on that position you know like for example like facebook ads right um to, to deliver leads the only thing that's stopping the leads from coming in is the campaign on facebook you know if, if that's what you're running same thing with seo like if if you're depending on organic traffic the only thing that's stopping organic traffic from hitting your website is going to be on, you know, whatever the SEO guy or girl does, you know, that, and that, that's what they do. So if, so if it's a, if it's a, a project or if, if it's a position where it's like that, um, like Facebook ads or SEO, then yeah, I, I, I definitely want to make sure that they have experience already. Um, if it's something like, you know, creating content or doing research, anyone can do that, you know? So, so, I mean, there, there's different positions that you can outsource to that I've, you know, started doing in my agency. So it just depends. Like if it's a, if it's a skill that they really need to deliver those results and I want to make sure that they have the experience, you know, and I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. Um, if it's something really, really generic, then I'll take anyone as long as, you know, that task that I've given them that they need to complete. Uh, they can do that. And, and the reason for that is to make sure that they follow instructions, you know, and directions, you know, if someone follows instructions and directions really well, then I can pretty much teach them and show them different things depending on what that, what I want them to do, you know, but with, with my outsourcing for my businesses, what I, what I don't do is I don't have one person do everything, you know, um, I have different people assigned to different tasks. So like you could kind of think of it like an assembly line, you know, I'll have someone doing, you know, task number one. And then once task number one is done, they give it to person number two and they complete task number two. And then it kind of moves on that way. I found that to be, um, the easiest way for me to manage them and the best way for me to scale my agency. Because if one of those positions, um, gets bottleneck, I can always hire someone else to, kind of help them out. Or if I need to let one of those people go, one of those positions go, then I can always find one person to replace that one specific task that, that I need done. You know, whereas if I have one person controlling everything, 
and something happens to that person, then that's going to take me a lot of time and resources to find someone that is as good as that person was uh, that can complete everything that I need done. So it's a lot more, it's a lot harder to do that. Yeah, I can sort of see how that'd be the case. I mean, if someone just did one task and then obviously they either they didn't meet the expectations or they just couldn't keep working, you only got to find one person through that single task again. But if you've got the the one person doing everything, we then need to go out and find someone that can do everything as well. Like it's it sounds like a much harder a harder task for sure, as 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 you say, Dan. I mean, have you got any any go to tips or things that make an agency work now this can be i guess we'll probably want to say it doesn't matter what industry they're in for for want of a a better explanation for that but i think that that there could be common themes if there are common themes if not then you've you know you you feel free to to add the industry yourself right so so the question you're asking is like what what industries are, are are easy right now well, yeah. I mean, uh, is there anything that would make an agency successful? Is there any certain principles that don't really take into account the industry, or is it all dependent on the industry that you're in? No, I mean, the the if you're going after a certain certain niches and certain industries, I mean, you know, you got to make sure that you do the research um, in order to understand like all the pain points and the struggles that that client is having. You know, if it's lead generation that those pain points that the clients are having with getting, you know, new customers in the door in their business, because then you can have those conversations and you can prospect and they'll be more, more receptive to your, you know, whatever that's cold calling or cold emailing or whatever you're using for prospecting. They're going to be a lot more receptive to that um, because you're peeling away some of those pain points that they have. Right. Whereas if you come across someone generic, um, you're going to come across as just someone who, you know, who just came up, came up with a quick email or something like that. And you just sent it off to a thousand people and then hoping to land someone. So, I mean, research is, is going to be critical. And then the research also will come into play once you start running the advertising, you know, depending on whatever channel you're using, um, you need to make sure that you do your research in order to come up with, you know, great offers and things like that that will uh, catch the attention of you know, your targeted users. Um, so I would say, I mean, whatever industry you're going to go into, you really got to know your, your, your stuff and you just have to, you have to take the time, do your research, um, you know, talk to a couple of different business owners. Like if you're going after dentists, talk to dentists, you know, just like as a casual conversation and just figure out like, what are some of the struggles that they're having? You know, um, I think a lot of people, when they, start an agency, they, they dive like deep right into it. And they want to, they want to grow really fast. So they just start they start throwing a bunch of stuff together. But if you take the time and, and kind of do it slowly at a slower pace, I think you're going to have a lot more success on the end. Right. Got it. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, it's like doing all the work at the beginning to make the, the journey a lot smoother and potentially easier as well. All right. Right. And I think, and I think with that being said real quick, um, if you look at my group, I did exactly that, you know, you know, like my group and this was back before we started the recording when I mentioned, you know, having my, having grown my group for just over a year, I think it's been like a year and four months or so a year, five months has allowed me to have 
a large following of, you know, 51,000 people that if I were to, you know, let's say create a, a podcast, I could have a large following of my, of, of that podcast relatively quickly. Whereas if I started the podcast and not have the group, I would maybe struggle trying to grow it, you know? And the same thing with anything else. Like if I want to start a YouTube channel, you know, I could just mention the YouTube channel every day in my group and start getting subscribers. Whereas if I didn't have that group, it would be a lot more difficult and take more time. Right. And then, and then with that, it's kind of where I'd like to transition to just before we, we call it, well, a day really, because uh, I want to respect respect your time Dan so we'll probably touch on on Facebook groups and then we'll finish off with the last few questions if that's okay with you yeah that's fine so when when you first started the Facebook group was there any intention behind how you were growing it so I don't know if you had a vision for the the 51,000 members or whether it it just sort of appeared that way but uh, what was your intention with it and did you have like a specific plan for for growing the group initially so right before, so I, I started my group, it was December 31st of 2016. Um, so that's, that's the day that I created the group. Um, backpedal, you know, a couple months, you know, I was getting a lot of people, uh, I was starting to get, gain some followers on Facebook. You know, I was always showing case studies. I would talk about my results that I was getting in different groups about, you know, my Facebook ads for clients and things like that. So I started having people, you know, in this, in November, December, asking me for consulting on showing them, you know, what I was doing with Facebook advertising. Um, and then in December, I started having people ask me if I had a course that they could buy and I didn't. So I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, so I'm like, you know, I had one person ask me, then I had two, then I've had five, then I'll have like, I got like 10 people asking me about a course. I'm like, you know, light bulb goes in my head. I'm like, maybe I should start a course, right? Because if I have a course with the followers that I'm starting to gain traction from, they'll buy it. (laughs) That's the whole goal. (laughs) Um, So, so I, I did that, you know, I started planning on a course and then I started seeing other people who were selling courses. I'm like, you know, what's the easiest way that I could get people to buy my course? You know, um, I'm like, you know, I see a lot of people with groups with on Facebook, you know, they're, they grow the group. And then from there, like all their sales from their courses come from the group and their email list. You know, you could, you got to think of your group as a list, right? So you have your email list. Like when we think of the word list for, for business, we think of emails. Um, but it's a lot more than that. You got Facebook groups, you got Instagram followers, you have YouTube subscribers. You know, if you run videos on your business page on Facebook, you can create custom audiences of people who've engaged with your videos. That's also a list. You know, your friends on Facebook is also a list. So everything that you look at that has a number behind it, think of it as a list because it's going to make your life a lot easier. So I'm like, okay, I need, I need a way that I could sell my course easy. I'm like, let me just start a group. So I did that December 31st, 2016. I started the group. Um, I was like, I, I need to think of an easy phrase that will catch people's attention, not too long, that's short and sweet, simple, and, and that is searchable because, you know, I had some experience with SEO before in the past. I'm like, you know, with Facebook groups, you know, when you type something in the, in the, in the search bar, um, depending on, you know, the, the amount of people that you have in the group and the keyword placement and things like that, it's going to start ranking higher in the top of the list. 
So I'm like, I need to think of a very short term that, you know, which will catch people's attention. I'm like, one of the terms out there that searched a lot is the word entrepreneur. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, I have to start, I got to start the name with entrepreneur, but I'm like, what else can I add to the back of that to make it pop? And, and you know, that word hustle kept coming up from what my wife would always tell me that I was growing my agency. I'm like, it just makes sense. I'm like, just entrepreneur hustle is going to be the name of the group. Um, but growing it was just a matter of, you know, having my, the ideal members in my group, they're all, they're all my friends list, which are all marketers. You know, most of all my friends on Facebook are marketers. So I'm like, you know, at that point I'm like, I got, I have to give the marketers, you know, what they want, but I have to give it to them in the group so they can join the group, you know? So you're kind of teasing them. I, I kind of tease people on my wall, you know, for example, like most marketers back then when I started last year, you know, most digital marketers, they wanted funnels and they wanted, um, you know, campaigns like walkthrough campaigns of certain niches and things like that. I'm like, instead of just giving that away on my wall, I'm like, I give that away in my group and I have them join the group to get that and they stay in there and then I continue providing value day after day after day. And that's exactly what I did, you know, initially to grow the group. So in the first 30 days of my group being live, uh, my goal was to hit a thousand people. And I think I hit like 16 or 1800. Right. So just from, just from the course there, you were able to get over one and a half thousand just through, just through interest of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was just giving people what they wanted. Um, you know, which is what marketing is about. I give people what they wanted, but instead of giving it away for free without them giving me anything in return on my wall, you know, what I wanted in return was for them to be a member of my group because I wanted my whole, my whole purpose at that point was to grow the group as fast as I could in order to get sales going for my course, which I launched at the exact same time as my group. Um, so I'm like, it just makes sense like to get people in the group for it to grow. So I, I did that for a long, long time. I started giving away stuff in the group. Um, and now it's just at a point where it, it just really grows on its own. But it took a while, you know? And, I, and again, I'm glad that I did that, that I grew the group. It took over a year for it to be where it's at now because all the, opp the opportunities that I have that I envisioned in my head just from the large following that I have in the group, um, I can go so many different directions and, and I won't struggle as much as someone who's starting out, you know, whether that's podcasting or whether that's a YouTube channel or, or anything else, right? Or, or, or it's another course that I have. I, I won't struggle as much as someone who does not have that following. So it's almost the, the kind of thing with an email list as well is that if you've got the, it's almost like size matters at that point there because it gives you the, the freedom to, to adjust, to pivot, to change direction and you've always got those people that you're in contact with. One of the things I've noticed personally is Facebook groups is almost like the next level of that because with email there's always that bit of a, a disconnect between you and the person that you're emailing. But I think a Facebook group is probably easier to, to build that, that relationship with them because of things like pictures and, and videos and people see you more often. People can actually reach out and message you. And it seems, at least to me at least, it seems to be more convenient for them. Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot more convenient. But at the same time, you should always diversify um, because at one point, and I don't know how long ago you had joined the group, but last year, right before summertime, my group was shut down for about a week, you know, so that really freaked me out <laughs> because again, yeah. you know, 
all of my, most of all my core sales came from my group. You know, I would post in the group, I would post results. Like you said, you could go live, you can share case studies, you could do pretty much almost anything in your group and people will, 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 will take that content. Um, so when my group was shut down, like all my core sales stopped, you know, because it was all organic. Um, so I think, you know, if someone's going to be growing a group, make sure you also collect emails and that can easily be done because Facebook group will allow you to ask three different questions when someone joins, you know, one of those questions can simply be, you know, what's your email address or, you know, would you like this free thing? If you do, what's your email and, and I'll make sure you get it right. So there's, there's like one of the most important things is that making sure that you collect their email addresses because at any time, if my Facebook group goes away permanently, I'll have emails from the group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Cause the email so what, 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 out of, out of every list that you can think of on the internet, the only list that can never be taken away from you is going to be your email list. Yeah, that's true. So what about like above say 10,000 members? So this is going to be the, the last question regarding Facebook groups and we'll dive into the, the, the last few questions and then we can, we can finish. What about like, post 10,000 because there's a lot of groups out there that are around one or 2,000, maybe even a few that are 5,000, 10,000, but there seems to be a big jump between the groups that are say 10 to 15. And then there's the, the huge groups like yourself and a handful of others that are, you know, just miles above a lot of the other groups that are out there. I mean, is there anything that distinguishes between like your groups and the groups that have less members, maybe it's a case of you've always worked to build it constantly. You've never, as we were talking about before, you've never got comfortable with it. You've always pushed on and you've always tried to, to grow the group or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something that I can't quite think of right now. I mean, what would you put that down to? I, I would say it's, um, I mean, it's, it's absolutely consistency. That's going to be important in order for your group to grow. Um, because if you start it and you're posting every day, like I would go live every day, multiple times, I would post multiple times a day. So my members would always see me active and active and that would allow them to see my post in the newsfeed more and more, um, which would allow them to engage more and more. So consistency is going to be definitely important, but at the same time, I think to really grow it big, you have to think of, of a name for your group that is going to get the reach that you would want it to be right. So like the word entrepreneur is searched highly. There's other groups out there that have like 80,000 members that have the word entrepreneur in it. So I know I can continue growing the group more and more, but if you have like a, an obscure name that no one searches, the only people that are going to join it are probably people from your friends list, you know? So just making sure that that term, you know, whatever you name the group, that term is searchable and it's got volume behind it. And, um, you know, I think another thing that many people may not talk about is you can add certain tags to your group in Facebook. So just making sure those tags have, um, those, you know, other terms that are, that are searchable as well, you know, like business or like Facebook ads or like entrepreneur. I think those are some of the tags that I have in my group, but like all that, like, you know, the name, the tags and the consistency, they all play a role, I believe with each other. And when Facebook sees that you're always showing up, you know, you're always delivering content, you're always going live. Live is a big uh, key indicator 
um, that you're doing whatever you can to provide consistent content in your group, Facebook is going to award you and they're going to show your group to more and more people. Right, got you. Yeah, it seems like there's there's a big element of the groups that are more active and they, they seem to be more popular as well. All right, so last couple of questions for you, Dan, but before we, we get to that, if someone wants to find out a bit more about yourself, so what, what you've got going on, different projects and, and those sorts of things, where can people go? Yeah, so if you're on Facebook, uh, definitely Entrepreneur Hustle is the group. Um, you can always, you can also visit my website, which is dannyvega.com. And then my, my last name is spelled V E I G A. All right. Excellent. All right. Last, last question for you then. Um, this is one that I ask all my guests, so it doesn't have to be relevant to what we've spoken about before. We can go completely off topic. And the question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> so what would I want the world to know about me that I, that they don't already know? Um, I think just with everything that I'm doing, you know, and everything that I've kind of been through, I, I love helping people out. You know, I, so I know that might sound too maybe generic of an answer. Um, but yeah, just, just knowing, you know, I would like for everyone to know that, you know, I, I enjoy helping people out. I, I want to see other people have success, you know, um, because I've been through those struggles. So if I could help someone, you know, not have to go through as much struggles as, as I have, because I've kind of been there already, then, then I can help them do that, you know? Um, but just to let people know, like, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity nowadays with the internet that you can achieve anything that you, that you set your mind to. And I think having that mindset is super important um, to get people to where they want to be. So just Good letting stuff. people know, yeah, it's, you know, I, I can help them do that. Uh, but at the same time, there's, there's plenty of opportunities on there. Um, I mean, you got face, you got millions of Facebook groups, you got millions of YouTube videos, you know, there's anything can be searched online, you know, everything out there, like all the information, it's out there. It's just a matter of piecing it together and making it work for you. Sounds good, Dan. Well, again, thanks for, for being a guest on the show. Really appreciate you carving out the time and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Awesome, Michael. Thanks for having me on.